0: Okay, is that it? All right. I was going to get some popcorn, man. It's going to be great. How you guys doing this evening? Good to see you guys. So good to see you guys. How awesome it is to come up here and uh, see all your smiling faces. You guys are hungry for fellowshipping in the presence of the Lord, for bringing Him glory, lifting your hands and singing and worshiping Him. How awesome that is. And now we get to get into the good stuff. The Word of God, uh, which brings edification and understanding, correction, instruction, rebuke, and so many other things. If any time that young people would need to hear a word, it would be now. We're living in a wicked day and age. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, all around us, you guys, when we look around, we see what's happening. It's crazy. I've never seen this. Satan is on overtime, and he's trying to take us out. All of us, at least those who would genuinely believe in Jesus Christ. Because some of us might be playing. You can play church these days really easy. And so I pray that tonight you would be spoken to by this word. This is what the Lord put upon my heart. So if you have a Bible, and I pray that you do, or on your on your phone, uh, please turn to Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 57 through 62 and a whole bunch of other scriptures. I don't know if you heard me teach before, but I go through like a lot of scriptures. So if you do want the notes after the fact, you could talk with Miss Tina, and uh, she, has a, she has a copy of them. So, however, that works. And I think they're recording this also. So, Luke chapter 9. Verses 57 through 62, we see this amazing thing taking place. I love reading the Gospels. I love reading the words that are in red because that's the word of Jesus Christ. The publishers emphasize that so you know those are his words. Amen? And in this particular place, chapter 9 is so powerful, but I cannot go through the whole chapter. I would have loved to have... Have, but I'm using this topic, and I'll mention it to you in a second. I wanted to read this passage first. As Jesus is doing about his ministry, he says in verse 57, Now it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Verse 59, then he said to another, he turned to him and said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus answered straight up again to him. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And yet another, verse 61, said, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Interesting. I'm going to stop right there. Because as Jesus is going about his ministry, people either wanted to follow him or they were invited by him. And yet some even desired to come on their own terms. Much like what I see today with Christendom. People who come to church. People say, you know, I want Jesus. I I want to come to church for whatever reason. There's always different motivations. I could never know what's in your heart. Only the Lord knows. And as we see this take place right here, we see the first person who says, man, Jesus is awesome. Verse 57, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Did you catch that? And and, and what does Jesus do? He didn't say anything. He just went straight after him. He said, you know what? Um, Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But you know what? The Son of Man, I don't have anything. Which, which is, what is, is he trying to communicate? That it's going to be uncomfortable when you follow the Lord. The conditions are not going to be comfortable. And I think when we say, I want to follow Jesus, we want this nice, pretty, little, great, you know, environment all the time. You know, there's no suffering and there's no cost. This person said he was willing, but Jesus said, yeah, okay, let's go on to the next guy. He invites the next guy, Right? But what does he answer in verse 59? Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Sounds very noble. But his dad was still alive. He has to die first before he could go and bury him. It was an excuse. Do You see what's happening here? It was an excuse. And then the third one in verse 61. Lord, I will follow you. He said he would follow you. He made an excuse, but I will follow you. But first, let me, let me first go and bid them farewell at my house. Sounds noble. The problem with with that is the conjunction word, but. I will, but. I'm going to kind of put a condition on it. And that's what we see here. Excuses and conditions. Their responses reveal that they were opposed actually to following him. Wholeheartedly. I want to do it on my terms. Jesus is a master at the way he speaks and the way that he calls us out. And on his terms he says, you know what? Follow me. Earlier, look at chapter 9, verse 23. I want to read these three verses. Check it out what Jesus says. He demanded that one deny himself to follow him. It says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? These are some powerful words that are Jesus is saying. I got one more. Turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, Jesus requires, <laughs> interestingly enough, this stumbles a lot of people, that one hate his own life. In Luke 14, uh, verse uh, 26, I went a little too far here. Let me read it. Uh, He says, if anyone comes to me, like these guys were coming to Jesus and saying, I will follow you. I'll do this, right? And does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters? Yes, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross can... Uh, cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'll just stop right there. Uh, But I want to mention verses 28 on down, he goes on to use these comparisons of a king who's going to go to war. Well, he has to first consider, do I have enough resources? You know, if I'm going to build a house, do I have the right resource to finish? Or people are going to say, he couldn't even finish. Why do I point this out in my introduction? Because We need to count the cost if we say that we want to follow Jesus. Do you know that there's a cost? Did we think that when we say, I believe in Jesus and I get to go to heaven, I could just kind of do whatever I want? Or are you truly a disciple of Jesus? Because when you really get it, young people, when you really get that it's about pleasing him and just loving him, it's simple. Even though it can be crazy hard. And yet, so many times, when we say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but we kind of do the whole pseudo-Jesus thing and we do it on our terms, you can tell if you're a real believer. Flags go up in the things they say, in the things they do, in the fruit that comes from their life. Is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? That's right. And so we have to ask ourselves, we, are we considering the cost? This has become especially hard for young Christians today. We are living in a culture that applauds putting self first and looking out for the number one. Who is that? Ourselves. Me, myself, and I, right? Sad. Too many Christians who once held uh, fast to biblical truth are now gazing upon the attractive world that is just alluring, shiny. Ooh, I kind of want that. I'm a Christian, but it's okay. Let me just say this, guys. We're supposed to be Christians first before whatever race we are, before whatever monetary uh, or or, uh, employment status that we might have. We are Christians first if we're truly believers in Christ. That's kind of, man, Pastor Mark, you're coming coming out like boom, boom, boom. The word kind of does that. (laughs) You know, I, I try to teach this to the ushers. I, I oversee the ushers and the greeters. And sometimes people come in with attitudes and what have you. I told my ushers, just love them and smile. You know, because it's the gospel that should offend, not you. You just smile at them. Hey, God bless you. How you doing? And they're like, what idiots these people are. You Sometimes people come in like that. Just smile, love them. They might get saved because they got offended at the gospel. Hallelujah. The gospel offends. If you think about that passage, what did it say? If you don't hate your mother, father, brother, sisters, and your own life also. I actually remember when I first got saved, um, this one dude, good looking guy, man. He, you know, all the girls used to love him and everything. And, and I got saved and he found out. So he was like, oh, cool. And then when he came to this passage, he was like, what do you mean hate your mom? I love my mom. I'm like, cool, I love your mom too. She's kind, whatever. But, but you have to understand this. It's saying when it comes to comparing the gospel and love for Jesus Christ, the love that you have for any other thing should almost be considered hate in a sense. Because God should be first. A consideration. But sometimes people can't get over it. They get stumbled by things. It's crazy. But I pray that you young people are here tonight because you want to grow. You want to know. What the Lord has for you, especially in these dark times, which I believe are the last times, and the Lord is coming back. Can I get an amen to that? So, with that said, tonight I want to discuss the topic of backsliding. I don't hear it much anymore. I don't even hear people in teaching at the pulpit talk about sin anymore, or even hell. Wow, we were so bold to talk about exposing the enemy last month, and pff, boy, we got hit hard, attacked afterwards. Satan does not want us to know these things. So I'm going to talk about backsliding. Now, as we talk about backsliding, my title of this message is simple. It's on the screen. Don't look back. What's my message? All right, we're going to look at three things. We're going to recognize what backsliding is. We're going to see the results of backsliding, and then we're also going to return From backsliding, we're gonna encourage that in the end. So let's kinda jump in. All right, you guys ready? All right, in effort to define the term, of course, I went to Merriam Webster's dictionary, hallelujah. You don't have to go into the Greek. The term backsliding is an American term, obviously a, a, a modern term, but what is it? It's on the screen. To lapse morally or in the practice of religion. Wow, to lapse morally. You know that we all have this moral code, this meter in our heart, that the world is trying to say, no, you know what? You don't need that meter. You don't need to have that conscience. You could do whatever you want, man, and you can. God gave you free will. But backsliding is to lapse morally or in the practice of religion. You used to walk with the Lord and you're not walking with the Lord. Second definition to revert. To a worse condition. Retrogress. Wow. Retrogress. You're going backwards. Wow. I pray that that's that not you. And that this message, I was maybe wrong in talking about backsliding. And you don't need that exhortation because other things will come and you'll be edified by it. But you know what? I feel I need to follow what the Spirit of God said to do. So let's talk about retrogress backsliding recognizing it whatever it is this definition is concerned by many scriptural references throughout the bible of which and i'll say this clearly god and his kingdom is the one that's being rejected forgotten forsaken and so I would ask you to p- apply that personally. Have I, in examining my own, my own heart, have I forsaken the Lord? Have I forgotten the Lord? Am I kind of getting on the cold shoulder not remembering him anymore? I'm not spending time with him. Am I allowing idols in my heart? It happens so easily. Come on, is that true or not? There's so many attractive things in this world. Like, ah, you know. I want that. I want you know, I want to do well. I want to have this education. I want to you know, prosper. I want to have a beautiful wife or a husband or whatever. I, I I want to be likable. But those can all be idols of the heart. I just heard this killer study from John Corson, who's probably one of my favorite pastors. And he was talking in Genesis chapter 5 verse 24 about Enoch. And the title of the message is, it was called I am not I love those kinds of messages, especially the way he speaks about them, because it says Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him after 365 years of living. He was walking so close with the Lord that the Lord said, you know what, you're a little close over, come on home. He was translated into heaven, which is a type of the church. If I can emphasize a little bit of that message, in, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses sees God on the mountain, do you guys know the story? When he goes up, he sees a firing bush, and he's like, what is this? i got to go check it out. And he goes, and God calls him. And when he says, you're the deliverer, I'm going to send you to my people, what does Moses say? He says, who shall I tell him sent me? And he says that wonderful phrase, I am sent you. That, that gives me chills. I don't even have hair on my arms because I'm <laughs> Filipino, but it, gives, it makes them feel like they're going up, you know. I am the God who sent you. And yet, when I go back to think about what happened with Enoch, he walked with God, and he loved God. He was just pleasing to God. He says he walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's kind of a cool thing. Let's fast forward real quick to the New Testament. John the Baptist dude, you know who that is, right? When they asked him, are you the Messiah, the coming one, or do we look for another? And you know what he said? I am not. I'm not the Messiah, even though I'm doing these great things. And that's a person who is denying self, taking up their cross in a sense, and saying, you know what, it is about Him. And so I believe when it goes back to Genesis, talking about the lifestyle of Enoch, who's also mentioned in the book of Jude, it says that he was pleasing to the Lord and the Lord took him. That's cool. Because what should be our desire, folks? What should it be? I think we're so caught up in the education or the relationship or the money or whatever that, you know what, or or even doing great works for God. Stop it. Just delight in God. That's the best thing you could do. Stop being so hard on you, on yourself. You're beating yourselves up, and you're like, oh, oh. It's almost like what religion does. In Catholicism, they would go up the stairs. They would crawl. They would carry a cross. They would beat themselves To make themselves, their penance towards God. I love God. Okay, that's cool, but God doesn't need that. He wants your heart. In Spanish, I always like to say it. Your corazón, man. That's what he wants. He doesn't want anything else but your heart first. Because when he has your heart, he has you. And that's cool. Doesn't he deserve that? I think we need a clap for that. I think that's a powerful truth. But here's the problem. We hold back our heart. We don't want to give all of our heart. Well, I'm going to give them like maybe 94%, but that other stuff, just in case maybe there's something else that might be the right, and I just don't know, oh, that's Satan. He's messing with you. Don't let him do that. Don't look back, people. Don't reject God. Now, I want to say this. It is worth noting that before a person can backslide, he has to have previously confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. Has everybody done that here? I hope so. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins, to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life so that you can spend eternity with him, turning from your life, then maybe tonight's the night. He loves you and he wants to do great things in your life. But you got to invite him in. He's a perfect gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. In fact, he already died for you. I think that says enough, amen? Hallelujah. And so, we have to have confessed the Lord before, but, but I think maybe here in this room, because some of you, like I, I do know, some of you might have been raised in a Christian home. Good parents taught you about the word. Amen. Some of you maybe attended youth group. I understand that. Cool. You had a good hyper youth pastor. Hallelujah. Some of you maybe have different circumstances. You used to enjoy Jesus, but maybe now you're bored with him. Because I've always been around the church. and yeah, It's just this church. Are you bored with Jesus? I hope not. If so, and you know that, then that's something you need to confess tonight if you want to get in that right relationship with him. Just confess it, man. Confess it. How about this? Maybe you, you crowded the things of the Lord out because your desire for pleasure or your affections. Wow. Your own affections can bring you down. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, for those of you who are taking notes. We're not going there, but write it down and look it up. So we have to recognize what backsliding is. i got a few more things here. Let's, let's talk about this. Backsliding is simply turning from God, right? So when you turn from God, do you know that Scripture says that backsliding makes God angry? It makes God angry. You make God angry when you backslide, when you turn away from him. Why? Let me emphasize this. You want to know why it makes God angry? Because he's jealous for you. He made you. He wants to hang out with you like all the time. And when you say, no, I want to go over here and do these things that are wicked and dark, that hurts him. Let me try to give you a simple example. Have you ever, like, said, oh, man, I want to get my friend or somebody a present. I'm going to get the best thing. And I went searching around the mall whatever it is. And I got the best thing. I know they're going to love it. And I wrapped it in the best, you know, package. And I'm like, cool, man. When it's at their party, you go and you give it to them. You go, here, here, here. And they're like, oh, cool. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Next. You know, and they're not appreciating what you did. That's kind of how it is in a sense. God made us. He gave us everything, and yet he reveals himself to us, but we want to worship like wood and metal and things. Right? That's what we do. We get so distracted. He absolutely loves you and has great things for you. He wants to do it in your life, but we turn from him, and that hurts his heart. It makes me angry. I would be angry too. I would be very angry but look at what the Bible says in 1 Kings eleven nine. Just so that you know that I'm giving you scriptural references. It happened to King Solomon who was supposedly the wisest man in the world. It says this. So the Lord came, uh, became angry with Solomon. Why? Because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who appeared twice to him. Okay, I just have to say that last part there. Solomon had an opportunity to meet with God twice. Whoa, he was the wisest man ever, the richest man ever. He had a great kingdom. And yet he still blew it. Why wouldn't God be angry? I gave you everything, and look at how you treat me. Wow. He turned. I'm thankful for the book of Ecclesiastes, because after Solomon goes through his foolishness of, if I could just simply say, having 700 wives... And 300 concubines this is not wise for the being the wisest man in the world i'm telling you it's not okay and so as he goes through all these 12 chapters of the book of ecclesiastes he comes to his conclusion how many guys have ever read ecclesiastes do you know the conclusion isn't it awesome for those of you who don't know well i'm not going to tell you because you have to read it on your own i'm kidding i'll tell you i'll tell you you know what he says he says, here's the conclusion of the matter. Because there's folly and everything is vanity grasping for the wind. He goes, That's life. He says, here's the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments because he's going to bring everything into judgment. Whoa. The crazy thing is we think, oh no, I have to be careful because he's going to zap me. No, God's not like that. That's not God. In fact, we've already been judged if we've believed in Jesus Christ and we say forgive me of my sin we are saying I am a sinner so we are now coming clean maybe though some of us have drifted a little bit you're a believer in Jesus Christ but maybe you're doing some things that are not pleasing to the Lord maybe you need to confess that tonight maybe you've backslidden just a little bit in your heart you need to come clean it's so awesome as a matter of fact I'm sorry Kevin I was going to tell you earlier, maybe you could take communion tonight, that would actually be a great thing because that's what this is all about, coming back to the Lord. Don't look back, come to the Lord. How important that is. So backsliding is simply turning from God. Let me talk about the second one here. Backsliding is leaving your first love. You guys know the passage in Revelation chapter 2 verse 1 and one through 4? I'll just say to you what it says. It says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Do you still love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength like when you first got saved? Or is it like kind of like, oh, I guess I like God. I like him. He's nice. I hope not. You know, let me tell you this. God knows your heart. He knows when your heart is not in love with him. And he will actually bring things into your life to make you analyze yourself. It's kind of a crazy thing. It's called chastisement. Why? Because he loves you. And if you're without chastisement, maybe you're illegitimate relationship. There is no relationship. Because even an earthly father corrects the son whom he loves. Right? That's kind of cool. That's why I love scripture, man. It's all there. I love that smile. That's cool. You're receiving it. <laughs> That's cool. Third one backsliding is averting, casting off the simplicity of the gospel. That's backsliding. Not relying upon the word anymore. Check it out. 2 Corinthians 11.3. Let me read it for you. Paul says this to the church. I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity in Christ. Let me just camp there for a moment. Satan is doing everything possible to get you to look away from the gospel. To look away of the simplicity that we have in Jesus Christ. He wants you to do it on your own. You don't need God. He wants to separate you. And that's when he's going to whisper in your ear. You know, actually you probably could just do this on your own. You'll probably be better. And nobody will know. It's always in darkness. It's bad counsel. Always base any major thing, any little thing that you do in life on the word of God. Do you know that God speaks to you? I've got to tell you. I'm in Colorado Springs because God gave me a word. I'm actually married to the wife of almost 30 years because God gave me a word. And I could go back and I could look at the date and the time that he gave it to me because I write that in my Bible. That is powerful. Satan doesn't want you remembering that God spoke to you here and there. So that's why it's good to journal. It's good to say, God spoke to me, boom, 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 boom. And then you go back and read it like three months later or a year later or five or 20 years later. And you're like, dude, God is so awesome righteous. I'm from California. Okay, whatever. How cool it is. But God knows when we leave that first love for Him. Amen? He knows when we've turned away from the gospel. Wow. We need to recognize what backsliding is. Backsliding is simply caused by, number one here, worldliness. Worldliness. In Mark chapter 14, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus taught the parable of the sower. Do you guys know it? Raise your hand if you know the parable of the sower about the seed being cast out. If not, read it. I read it for the first time in jail. When I was in jail, when I was a non-believer, I had uh, to serve 10 days in the county, county jail because all my traffic warrants on my motorcycle because I was dumb. So anyways, I said, okay, I had one of those little Gideon Bibles and I started reading. I was like, Oh, these are the words in red. This is cool. And I was like, well, what is he saying? And I didn't understand it because I was in the flesh. And the only way you can understand the word of God is by the Spirit. But when you open your heart and say, God, show me, then he speaks to you. I didn't get saved till a, a couple of years later, but God's planting seeds. When you start reading the word, seeds are planted, seeds are planted, seeds are planted. And when you plant good seeds, you know what happens in due season? Bloop, 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 bloop. Pretty soon you got this awesome tree. It's amazing with awesome fruit in due season. So many of us are so impatient. Oh, it has to happen now. Well, I got to get married now. I got to have, stop it. You're focusing on the wrong thing. Just abide in Christ. What is it? Uh, John chapter 15. And he says, abide in Christ and you, who knows the answer? You will bear much fruit. Can we all say that together? We will bear much fruit, not a little bit of fruit, much, mucho, a lot. And it's good for you because that's what you really want in your life because that's the way God designed you. Stop doing it your own way and bearing bad fruit. That's what happens because we're planting bad seeds. So worldliness, the parable of the sower. Jesus taught in particular in Mark four nineteen, that the cares of this world Along with the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, choke out God's word. See, God's word's in your heart. And you're like, yes, and I'm growing. I'm starting to bear fruit. But because of the desire, the cares, the world, the deceitfulness, they wrap around it and they choke it. And no fruit can come from that anymore. Is that your life right now? I'm a believer. I love the Lord. And I was growing, but I don't know why I'm not growing anymore. Why is there no fruit anymore? Why is it just dead stuff all around me? Maybe because you're allowing worldliness and the cares of the world to be your prior, a priority, your focus. If you just start trusting in the Lord and the word again, I'm telling you, all those weeds that come around just fall right off. And you start bearing fruit. Some 60, some 100 fold. It goes on to say, I'm going to give God massive amounts of glory with my life. I got saved when I was 24, and I was stupid for the 10 years prior to that. From 14 to 24, I smoked everything, I drank everything, I touched everything, I did stupid things until I got born again. And then I realized why I need to serve Jesus Christ. You guys, there's nothing good out there. I'm telling you, it's all a lie and it's all temporary. But what the Word of God says, it will last forever. Somebody better clap for that one. <laughs> And so, worldliness, it makes it unfruitful in one's life. John Wesley said this, anything that cools my love for Christ is the world. <laughs> Are you cooling down for Christ? No, no, I want to be like lit up. I want to be excited. I'm on ready to go for the Lord. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. It warns us. It says, do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You might think you're a Christian. But you love the world more than you love God. So you're a worldly person. That's what that means. So worldliness comes. um, uh, Worldliness produces backsliding. The second one, turn with me in your Bible all the way over to the Old Testament. Let's go way back over to chapter 8. How cool this passage is. Because I want to reveal to you through the word what God says. And he warns us about it. In, In particular, prosperity. God warned the children of Israel to remember the goodness and the provision of the Lord while in the desert. However, he also had to warn them against prosperity. Chapter 8, look at verse 11. I'm going to read down through 17. Check this out. Deuteronomy 8, says, to the children of Israel, God speaking, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God, by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Verse 12. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiply, and all that you have is multiplied. Look at verse 14. Circle it in your Bible. When your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God. There it is right there. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Egypt, whenever you see it, it's a type of the world. From the house of bondage, when you're living in worldliness, there's bondage. Verse eighteen: Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who led you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good to you in the end. Look at why does God test you right there in that verse. He does, he humbles you and he tests you. Look at his intention to do good to you, to see if your heart, so that you can see your own heart. But look at verse 17. This is the key verse. This is why I came here. After all this that I blessed you and I'm trying to help you, then you say in your heart, my power and m- the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Stop right there. There it is again. I did it by myself because I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty good looking. I could speak very well. Who gave you all of that? Who gave you help? The Lord gave it to you. But yet we turn around and say, I did it all. That's backsliding in the heart because of prosperity. Wow. You said in your heart, my power and the might of my hand that given me this wealth. This is dangerous, people. So dangerous. Look at verse 19. Then it shall be, if, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish why doesn't god zap us right away when we sin does anybody know there's one word it's m word he is merciful sometimes we think when we get away with the sin that we think well god hasn't judged me so i must it must be okay no it's just because god is merciful and i would say if you're in habitual sin right now stop it repent Turn back to the Lord and confess it and get right. Because it could be just one thing that takes you out. Now, I'm gonna uh, it's nothing that this brother has done, but I have to bring it uh, because it just happened to me today and it breaks my heart. I oversee the ushers ministry, as I mentioned earlier, and I just found out that one of the guys on the team is no longer with us. And when I say that, I mean he died. He got COVID a couple of weeks ago. And he didn't let anybody else know. Checked himself in the hospital the coroner called the sister and said, you know, he died of COVID, he had pneumonia, he's gone, 59 years old. We just saw him like two weeks ago, serving the Lord, and he's not here anymore. Now, not that he did anything wrong, but it just makes me think how quick we could be gone from this world, right? Wow. We better make our days count and count the blessings that the Lord gives us and really live to be pleasing to him, and that is good. That is good. But it's dangerous when we think it's by the power of our own hand and make that claim that we've done it on our own. At some point, we forget God. Wow. We tend to marvel at the works of our own hands, and we are less enamored with the God of wonders. Why are we not wondering at God anymore? It's because maybe we're backslidden in heart. Wow. Wow. The last one in this point, which I'm going very slow. But I'm just going to run with it. I don't think I ever finished, right, Tina? I just, yeah. That was only like one page. So. <laughs> the last thing, backsliding, actually causes blindness. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 9 says this. For he who lacks growing in godly virtues and stuff, it says, he's short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. We need to, um, actually when we do this and we're blind, we repeat our old sins. We go back to the things that we said, Lord, take them away from me. Maybe you were a pothead before and you like want to start smoking weed again, drinking. Maybe you're into pornography or whatever it is. And then you go back to it again. Uh, well, you know, you think, ah, I got this. Nobody you know, nobody knows. God knows. And if that's the case, confess that. Come back to the Lord. Some Christians are not even sure what they believe anymore. I found this stupid little story, but I'm going to throw it out there. Blindly following church. We could be coming to church and not even know why we're coming to church. An ignorant man was examined on the subject of his faith as follows. What do you believe? I believe what the church believes. What then does the church believe? The church believes what I believe. Tell me, then, I pray you, what it is which you and the church both believe. Why, truly, sir, the church and I both believe the same thing. And it keeps on going over and over. This is what happens when we forget the word of God and his righteous standards. We become fools and we can't even answer simple questions. So I would say this. What do you believe? Do you study the word and know what scripture says? Or do you say, well, I kind of believe it because Pastor Mark said it. Or that person says it. Really? How do you know that person is of the Lord? What What if he's a deceiver? You have to be in the word, young people. You guys are the next generation. Should the Lord tarry? I believe he's coming back by next summer. That's just my thought, okay? So be ready. Rapture, okay? But should he tarry because he's a merciful God? Do you know the word of God? You guys are the next generation. You guys are the bearers of the gospel. Will you go? Or is your life all about you and what I can get? I, and I pray that you take that in an encouraging way, you guys. Because it seems like, you know what? Those who say that they're believers, are they're falling like flies. Satan is coming after you guys. We see it all over the place. Afghanistan, we're not getting the right reports from the TV, I heard inside reports of things, thousands of Afghan Christians being killed, murdered, records of it, bam, 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 bam. Kids saying, I'm not going to deny Jesus. Babies being taken up because they believe in Jesus Christ. And here we are in our prosperous Starbucks world, you know, McDonald's, whatever it is. We're not even thinking about eternity and other souls. And that's exactly where Satan wants us ineffective i want to challenge you tonight you guys i want to challenge you to live for the lord my second point i'm going to try to go quicker and skip through because i have like seven minutes the results of backsliding in the book of revelation jesus addresses the church of laodicea you might know that who were rebuked for their lukewarm philosophy Look at what it says. It's on the screen. Revelation 3, 15-16 in the New Living Translation. I know all the things that you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Can you picture you being in the mouth of the Lord? And he's like, that's nasty. He probably wouldn't say it like that, but you get the point, right? Do we make the Lord sick? Is my life pleasing to him? Are you on fire for the Lord? Or are you cold? At least least you're being truthful if you're not walking with the Lord. But when you say that you are and you're not, that's hypocrisy. Wow. Pastor Mark, you're being kind of hard. Yeah, I know. But it's good because it sharpens, it challenges. And so... I pray that we are really receiving this. I'm going to move on quickly. Backsliding will backfire on you. It's on the screen. Check this out. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. Jeremiah uh, speaks for the Lord to the children of Israel, and he says this, Your own wickedness will correct you. Wow. And your backslidings will rebuke you. (laughs) Do you know when you do wrong, it's going to come back. You reap what you sow. You guys know the term. I said it earlier, you plant bad seeds, you get bad fruit, right? It says, know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me, God, is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. God knows if we're truly in his heart or not or we're just playing the game. We're playing the game. I pray that that's not the case. Third point. Final point is to return from backsliding. Because I do have to go to this final thing at the end here. We're called to return. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 12 says, return backsliding Israel. and I will not cause my anger to fall on you because I'm merciful, says the Lord. The one on the screen now, Jeremiah 3.22 says, return you backsliding children and I will heal your So even though the Lord knows that we go this route and we forsake him and we thumb our nose at him, you know what he says, please return to me. That's that loving, jealous heart that he has for you. Please return to me because I want to do amazing things in your life. I want to do amazing things. In fact, we probably know Jeremiah 33.3. 3. He says, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Did you catch the phrase, the prerequisite? What is it? call to me. Some of us say, I want to see great things of God. Well, the prerequisite, call to Him. Call upon Him. If you don't call, if you don't ask, then it's not going to happen. you got to have that desire in your heart. If you don't have that desire in your heart tonight, then you say, Lord, put the desire in my heart because I want you. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. I want to be used of you. And when you start praying that and you're really meaning in your heart, strap in, man. Because God's going to do some awesome things in your heart. I've been doing it for 30 years. And I've just seen God bless. Have I seen difficult things? Heck yeah. But you know what? The Lord has sustained my wife and I and our kids and our cool little dog. God is good. God is good. And so church, I say this. Return from backsliding. God will heal. Consideration is needed. Scripture gives us an exhortation to those who are guilty of forgetting God. Look at this in Psalm 50, verse 22 and 23. It's on the screen. I want it to be there because I'm going quick, quick, I know. It says, now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces. That's kind of a scary thought. And there be none to deliver. But here it is, young people. Verse 23, whoever offers praise lifting your hands, glorifying the Lord, speaking doxology and how great he is, whoever offers that truly from the heart, and to him who orders his conduct aright, that's living a righteous lifestyle, abiding in Christ, I will show the salvation of God. Yes. But if we have idols in our heart, whew, not good. Somewhere in the book of Jonah, he says, uh, Jonah says to the prophet, it uh, uh, says, he who regards idols have forsaken his own mercy. He who has regards idols in his heart has forsaken his own mercy. That's crazy. That's a crazy thought. I forget the verse, but it just popped in my head. That was a freebie. I like to get those out. So, returning from backsliding, we need to consider it like I just read. And then we need to acknowledge and confess it. We need to confess it, Right? Uh, there are three R's in the book of Revelation, in particular chapter 2, verse 5, in spoken, being spoken to the church of Ephesus. It's on the screen. Look at what he says to do. If you've backslidden, if you've walked away from the Lord, three R's, okay? Here they are. It says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. That's backsliding. Remember that I was there and I'm not there anymore. Go back to there right? Remember that. He says, repent. That means don't do the thing that you're doing that is opposing what you should be doing. Repent of that. Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. And it's not just because you got busted. It's because I honestly don't want to live that lifestyle. I want to live for the Lord. So that's the second one, right? Uh, that, that's that's uh, repenting. Remember, repent. And the third one is in a different phrase that I put right next to it. Re- repeat. Repeat. Do the first work. What you used to do when you were first a believer, continue to do that. This is great for those of you who are married. Some of you guys I'm sure are married in here. This is good. Always charm your wife. Always serve your husband and do the first things like when you first met. That's a great thing. Just live that way and watch how prosperous and beneficial it is. But here we're talking about being in the right relationship with the Lord. Cling to God's grace. Continue to cultivate your relationship with Him. That's what you need to do. My final warning is this, and you have to go there. Luke chapter 17. It's a couple verses. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. Please turn there and check this out. Because I mentioned the topic of my study is don't look back, right? Don't look back. But I found it so fascinating how well this passage goes with the concept of any man. Oh, I never probably even read the verse, huh? Yeah, Luke nine sixty-two. We got to go there first. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I assumed that I read it. Luke chapter 9, because I paused and I started talking about the other thing. Wow, foolish, foolish, whatever. Okay, Luke nine sixty-two. Remember we were talking about the people who said, I will follow you, whatever, whatever, whatever. Jesus said this awesome statement. Here it is, Luke nine sixty two. Jesus said to them, "No one, having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God." Okay, let's 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 develop that real quick. I hope you don't mind, Tina. Um, what is the plow? The plow is the apparatus of which you have a beast of burden. And it has a blade on this apparatus of which agriculturally um, they would plow the fields. And they would make these big grooves of which they would plant seeds right behind them. Right? So they were supposed to focus on something and go, right? It's like a little tractor, primitive tractor. A plow. No man or woman for that sake who puts their hand to the plow. That's the act of I'm going to do this. Right? Looking back, no one. Is fit for the kingdom of God so let's think about that if you say that you're you love Jesus you're a disciple of Christ you love him whatever and you put your hand to the plow I'm gonna walk I'm gonna run for the Lord straight and you're going like this that's backsliding that's turning backwards that is not good because which of you can go straight if you're like this I'll give you a quick little example don't do this on your way home for those of you who drove if you were to look in your rearview mirror and to try to drive backwards all the way home from here tonight, could you do that? At the same speed you drove here? <laughs> Probably not, huh? Think about that. And yet, the Lord is saying, you say you want to follow me. You say you want to follow You're making excuses. Come on, man. If you say you're going to put your hand on the plow and do it, then do it. Go for it and keep looking straight. Keep looking straight. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. And definitely do not look back. Amen. Now go to Luke 17. Now go to Luke chapter 17 and we'll be done. I promise. I promise. I'm sorry. Luke 17 verse 26. He gives examples of end time scenarios. Of what happened in ancient times and the return of the Lord. So I'm going to read all the way down To about 33 or so. It says in verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so will also be in the days of the Son of Man. When he returns, in other words. They ate, they drank in the days of Noah. They married wise, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. So we know the story, right? Noah. Look at another story. Verse 28. Likewise, as It was also in the days of Lot. We know who Lot was. He was the nephew of Abraham, and he went over to the beautiful area of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? It says, in his time, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all, right? Notice that the two examples that Jesus uses is one of the destruction of the world by water. The second one was a type of the coming destruction, which is by fire and brimstone, but in particular upon the wickedness that was upon the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? We know the story, but it says in verse 30, even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man comes. It's going to be sudden, right? In that day... He who is on the housetop, this refers to us because we are close to that day. He was on the housetop and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. And here's the reason why I came here. Can we all say this together in verse 32? This verse says, remember Lot's wife. Everybody say that together. Remember Lot's wife. He's giving this example of destruction and possible future destruction. And then he goes on to say, Remember Lot's wife. Do we know the story of Lot's wife? Remember what the Lord, the angel said? He says, When you go out, don't even look back. Because if you do, you're going to turn into, who knows, a pillar of salt statue of salt, right? They're leaving. In fact, by God's mercy, the angels said, okay, come on, hurry, hurry. They had to take them and make them go out. And just as the, it was all starting to rain down the fire and brimstone, Lot's wife looks back and shoo, she became a pillar of salt. That's it. Crazy. You know what I find interesting in that? Is that we can have the same temptation to look back and we become Salt? Is salt good? Well, not this salt. It was worthless salt. In fact, her name is not even mentioned. Is her name Betty or Mirabel or anything? No. It says Lot's wife. Because she was not pleasing to the Lord because she was backslidden. She was looking to the world because that's where her heart was. And so young people, I just want to say this. Where is your heart tonight? Where is your heart? I pray that you don't look back and that you would even say I need to be committed to the Lord right now. If I could have the worship team come up and start playing I think, I think we probably need to respond. You might say well I don't do that. I do that on Sundays. Well then Satan's lying to you. Young people the Lord could come back tonight. Are you right with him? Do you want to be used of him? Because he has great plans for you. But are you allowing him to have your whole heart, your whole corazón as I said earlier?